Welcome to the Anything and Everything podcast, a show about anything, everything, and all that's in between. You heard it, all of the things. All, Today every we've single got, one. <laughs> Today, you may have noticed, we have a slightly different setup. We're trying something, we're experimenting with something. We well, love but- it, we hope you love it. Uh, I'm Rowan, Tyler, say hello. That's me, I'm Ty. Hi, it's nice to see you. Welcome back for another episode of the Anything and Everything podcast, and we are kicking today off with... Uh, Again, going back to Romeo and Juliet, we promise you it will not just be Romeo and Juliet for the entirety of this podcast, but Act 2, Scene 4, where we left off. It's just a long play. It's a long play, and it's a good play. It's a long play. We've got a lot of ideas for the future, and uh, yeah, remodeling the show. We're so excited. A lot of brainstorming. A lot of brainstorming going on over here. I'm very excited for some of the things we've got brewing under the surface, but until then... We've got Romeo and Juliet for you. Today we've got, as Ty said, Act 2, Scene 4. It's a biggie. It's truly a biggie. A lot to unpack here. But before we get into that, we've got a question. We've got a question for you all. Today's question, what is your ideal career? Would I like... Am I going to answer this first or shall you? Go on. Go on. Ah, Ideal career. It's tough to know. I mean, I've got so many things on the plate right now. And there are so many things I could be, especially at our age. It's, It's ridiculous. I... Were I to go down the college path, which is somewhat likely, it'd probably be a psychiatrist because I'm just fascinated with people. As I've mentioned on our other podcast, listening in, a new episode should be dropping either tonight or tomorrow night by the time of recording. So go listen to that. Oh, also, before I I let you go, I'm going to take up all the space here and I'm going to say, hey. Take it all up. Um, remember that you can see us li- not live, but you can see us in person on the YouTube channel, which if you're watching us from there right now, you should definitely subscribe to. It's very fun. We put a lot of effort into it somewhat, kind of. There's a desk. You can see the desks that I'm caressing right now. That's how... <sighs> that desk is going to need to go into therapy after this show. <laughs> I'm not paying for it, so good luck. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'll make sure you check out the YouTube, check out Listening In. It's a lot of fun over there. I Too enjoy much. that project very much. All links in um, the description for all of our socials and everything. But yes, what is all, your all career path? Um, see, okay, like you said, got so many interests, so many things that I'd love to do. Um, you mentioned the college path. I would very much not want to go to college. Um, I've decided that, decided that recently. Um, that could change. But as of right now, I'm firmly <laughs> not going to college. But, um, pardon the background noise. Oh, boy. I um, I th- Great. Love to hear it. Um, or not hear it, but I'm ching. Anyway. <laughs> oh, the comedy. <laughs> I think my ideal career would be, like, a performer of some kind, actor, uh, musical theater. I'd love to go into, like, classical acting, Shakespeare acting. That could be so much fun. Um, you better invite me to actually, a performance where I swear to God, Will. I absolutely will. I think actually I'm going to broaden that a little bit. I hate this question. Why did I choose this question? I think some job in the theater industry as a whole, because I do have an interest in like directing and behind the scenes stuff, but also put me on a stage and I'll be happy. Camera wall. Um, what? Sorry, that, that was a whole bunch of garble. Camera woman. <laughs> that could, I, mm, no. <laughs> so not just, all. Like, dire- not all behind the scenes, but like I think stage managing could be cool. Directing, cor- 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 choreography. I'd love to be a choreographer. Mm. Um, 
or like a director of some kind, I think that'd be really fun. I had a director tell me once that he thinks that I have a director brain. Um, do you suffer from so, yeah. stage anxiety much or no? I don't think I do. I don't with dance. I know I don't. With, um, I'm very comfortable on a stage when it comes to dance. I have never really been on a stage when it comes to like any of the other aspects of performing, like singing or acting. Sure. Um, so I don't really know how really that anxiety would be, but I can't imagine it'd be all that much seeing as I'm very comfortable dancing. Well, I was going to say, um, if you feel um, stage fright <clears throat> when doing your dance, that's like the perfect job for someone who's an expert in their field, but feels that yeah. overwhelming stage fright as many people do. God. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would tangent. Yeah. Tangent. So that aside, uh, should we just go ahead and hop right into it? Yeah. Nothing is stopping yeah. us. Summary. Nothing is stopping Would us. Would you like to read it? Summary. I? You go on. Actually, I read it last time. And would you oh, like did to? Did you? Yeah. Go for it. All right. Let me this up because it got a little. And. She's got Perfect. it. Okay. There we go. I've got it. I've got it. So scene. T- nope. Act two. Scene four. <laughs> <clears throat> Still in search of Romeo, Mercutio and Benvolio finally run into their friend on the street. We learn from Benvolio that the Montagues have received a threatening note from Tybalt directed at Romeo. Mercutio is worried about lovesick Romeo's ability to best the talent to Tybalt in a duel. Soon enough, they run into Romeo and they note that he's no longer moping. Romeo and Mercutio banter for a while. Oh, the banter. Oh, the banter. Until Juliet's nurse arrives. She pulls Romeo aside and he tells her to tell Juliet to meet him at Friar Lawrence's cell that afternoon, all while keeping arrangements secret from his friends. So we got a lot to dive into this scene, a lot to delve into, some complex trickery, some wordplay, some joshing around. <laughs> oh, all the joshing. It's almost like Mercutio's in this scene. <laughs> could it be? It could be. I found that his scenes tend to be the most complex well, he's just the best character as well. Oh, absolutely. He truly, I, I firmly stand by that. That Mercutio is the best character. Would you cast in a production of this? Would you? I would absolutely go for Mercutio. I would love to be Mercutio. I think that'd be so much fun. I, mean, I think, and I think, and I think the idea of a gender bent Mercutio could be really fun too. Oh yeah. I think yeah. there's like some. I think you could play around with that a little bit. I think it'd be a lot of. Fun. I don't know why the archetype of jester seems to be particularly apt. Not apt, but. Um, Malleable as far as gender bending goes. Yeah. I, you see that a lot. All right. Yeah. Gosh, he's so much fun. All right. So as normal, we're going to read through the scene and then back and pick it apart at the seams. Just rend that. Uh, the scene, we've got Romeo, Benvolio, Mercutio, and the nurse, I believe. Um, who would you like? Oh, and her man, Peter. But he's quite, he's quite a little character. Quite a little guy. Um, <clears throat> quite a little guy. Who would you like to play? Who would you like to read today? Well, I know you love I our rhymed. main man, so I will... Uh, I for, love him dearly. For this first section, I will read Benvolio, and then we'll see how it happens, how the roles are placed. But um, sure, let's go for it. All right. <clears throat> Where the devil should this Romeo be? Came he not home tonight? Not to his father's. I spoke with his man. <laughs> Why, that same pale, hard-hearted wench that Rosalind torments him so that he will sure run mad. Tybalt, the kinsman of old Capulet, hath sent a letter to his father's house. A challenge on my life. Romeo will answer it. 
Any man that can write may answer a letter. Nay, he will answer the letter's master. How he dares being dared. Alas, poor Romeo, he was already dead. Stabbed with the white wench's black eye. Run through the ear with a love song. The very pin of his heart cleft with the blind bow boy's butt shaft. And is he a man to encounter Tybalt? Why, what is Tybalt? More than Prince of Casso, he's the courageous captain of compliments. He fights as you sing, pricks song, keeps time, distance, and proportion. Oh, I'm still going. (laughs) 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 Little stutter step. He rests his minimum rests, one, two, and the third in your bosom, the fairy butcher of a silk button, a duelist, a duelist, a gentleman of the very first house of first and second cause, uh, the immortal Posado, the Punto Reverso, the hay. The what? The pox of such antic, lisping, affecting fantasimes. <laughs> These new tuners of accent. By Jesus, a very good blade, a very tall man, a very good whore. Why is not this a lamentable? Grandsire, that we should be thus afflicted with these strange flies, these fashion mongers, these pardon me's, who can stand so much on the new form that they cannot sit at ease on the old bench. Oh, their bones, their bones! Here comes Romeo, here comes Romeo. Without his row like a dried herring. Oh, flesh, flesh, how art thou fish? Now is he here for the numbers that Petrarch flowed in? Lord to his lady was a kitchen wench, Mary, she had a better love to berhyme her. Ditto, a dowdy, Cleopatra, a gypsy, Helen and hero, Hildings and Harlow. This be a grey eye or so, but not to the purpose. Signor Romeo, bonjour, as a French salutation <laughs> to your French slop. You gave us the counterfeit fairly last night. Romeo become I. Good morrow to you <laughs> both. What counterfeit did I give you? The slip, sir, the slip. Can you not conceive? Pardon, good Mercutio, my business was great, and in such a haste as mine a man may strain courtesy. That's as much as to say such a case was your strains a man to bow than the hams. Meaning... bow in the hams. To curtsy. Thou hast most kindly hit it. A most courteous exposition. Nay, I am the very pink of courtesy. Pink for flower? Right. Why, then is my pump well flowered. Sure, wit, follow me this jest now till thou hast worn out thy pump. Soul of war, and the jest may remain after the wearing solely singular. Oh, single soul jest, solely singular for the singleness. Come between us, good Benvolio, my wit faints. Switch and spurs, switch and spurs, or I'll cry a match. Nay, if our wits run the wild goose chase, I am done, for thou hast more of the wild goose in one of thy wits than I am sure I have in my whole. Was I with you there for the goose? Thou wast never with me for anything when thou wast not there for the goose. I will bite thee by the ear for that jest. Nay, good goose, bite not. Thy wit is very bitter sweeting. It is a most sharp sauce. Hmm, and is it not well served into a sweet goose? Oh, here's a wit of Cherville that stretches from an inch narrow to an elbow. I'll stretch it out for that word broad, which added to the goose proves thee far and wide a broad goose. Why is this not? Why is this better now than groaning for love? Now art thou sociable. Now art thou. You know, thou art, by art as well as by nature. For this driveling love is like a great natural that runs lolling up and down to hide his bauble in a hole. Benvolio pipes up. Stop there! Stop there! Thou desirest me to stop in my tail against the hair. That wouldst else have made thy. That wouldst else have made thy tail large. Oh, thou art deceived. I would have made it short, for I was come to 
depth of my tail and meant indeed to occupy the argument no longer. And then the nurse and her man Peter comes in. Romeo says, here is goodly gear, a sail, a sail. Two, two, a shirt and a smock. Nurse Peter? Uh, I'll do Peter. Sure. Peter? Actually, no, I'll do the nurse because the nurse is Or that, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Peter. Anon. My fan, Peter. Then Mercutio. Good Peter to hide her face for her fans. The f- God, you good morrow, gentlemen. God, you good even, fair gentleman. Okay. I'm just going to talk to myself for a minute. God, you good even, fair gentlemen. Is it good even? Tis no less, I tell you, for the body hand of the dial is now upon the brick of noon. Out upon you, what a man are you? Romeo pipes up one gentlewoman that God hath made for himself to mar. By my troth, it is well said, for himself to mar, quoth he. Gentlemen, can any of you tell me where I may find the young I can tell you, but young Romeo will be older when you have found him than he was when you sought him. I am the youngest of that name, for fault of the worse. You say well. And then Mercutio pipes, <laughs> yea, he's the worst well. Very well took, and faith wisely won. And then the nurse, if you be he, sir, I desire some confidence with you. And Volio pipes up, she will indict him to some supper. Abod, 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 Soho! Romeo, what hast thou found? No hair, sir, unless a hair, sir, and a Latin pot. That is something stale, and ere it be spent. And then he sings, an old hair, an old hair whore is an old hair whore. It's a very good meat inland, but a hair that is whore is too much for a scholar. there it be spent. <laughs> Romeo, will you come to your father's will to dinner thither? I will follow you. Farewell, ancient lady. Farewell, lady, lady, lady. Where you should have been folio exit. And then the nurse. I pray you, sir, what saucy merchant was this that was so full of his ropery? A gentleman, nurse, that loves to hear himself talk, and will speak more in a minute than he will stand to in a month. And he speak anything against me, I'll take him down, and if he <laughs> than he is, and twenty such jacks. And if I cannot, I'll find those that shall. Scurvy knave, I am none of his flirt gills, I am none of his skein mates. And thou must stand by too and suffer every knave to use me as his pleasure. I saw no man, Peter, this is, I saw no <laughs> man use you at his pleasure. If I had, my weapon should quickly have been out, I warrant you. I dare draw as soon as another man if I see occasion in a good quarrel and the law <clears throat> on my side. Now, afore God, I am so vexed that every part about me quit. Gurvy knave, pray you, sir, a word. And as I told you, my young lady bid me inquire you out. What she, bid, what she bid me say, I will keep to myself. But first, let me tell you, if you should lead her in a fool's paradise, as they say, we're a very gross kind of behavior, as they say. For the gentlewoman <laughs> is young, and therefore, if you should deal double with her, truly it were an ill thing to be offered to any gentlewoman in very weak dealing. Nurse, commend me to thy lady and mistress. <clears throat> I protest unto thee. Good heart, and in faith, I will tell her as much. Lord, Lord, she will be a joyful woman. What wilt thou tell her, nurse? Thou dost not mark thither. I will tell I will tell her, sir, that you do protest, which as I take it, gentleman like offer. Bid her devise some means to come to shrift this afternoon, and there she shall at Friar Lawrence's cell and be shrived and married. Here is for thy pains. No, sir. No, truly, sir, not a penny. Go to. I say you shall. This afternoon, sir. Well, she shall be there. And stay, good nurse, behind the abbey wall, 
Within this hour my man shall be with thee, and bring thee cords made like a tackled stair, which, to the high top gallant of my joy, must be my convoy in, my, in the secret night. Farewell, be trusty, and I'll quit thy pains. Farewell, commend me to thy mistress. Now, God in heaven bless thee. Hark you, sir. What sayest thou, my dear nurse? Is your man secret? Did he ne'er hear say, two may keep counsel, keeping one away? I warrant thee, my man's as true as steel. Well, sir, my mistress is the sweetest lady. Lord, Lord, when t'was a little prating thing. Oh, there is a nobleman in town, one Paris, that would fain lay knife aboard. But she, good soul, had as lief see a toad, a very toad, as see him. I anger her sometimes and tell her that Paris is the proper man. But I'll warrant you, when I say so, she looks as pale as any clout in the versal world. Doth not Rosemary and Romeo both begin with a letter? Aye, nurse. What of that? Both begin with an R. Uh, Mocker, that's the dog's name. R is for the... No, I know it begins with some other letter. And she hath the prettiest sententious of it. That can't be how that's said. <laughs> of you and Rosemary, that would do you good to hear it. Commend me to thy lady. Aye, uh, a thousand times. Peter. Anon. Four and a pace. Exunt. Exunt. <clears throat> Gosh, what a scene. It doesn't seem like there's a lot to it, but oh boy, is there a lot to it. I um no, I'm I'm not entirely sure if this this is not the scene, but uh <clears throat> the wordplay between Romeo and Mercutio, like their brotherly camaraderie, is just mm -hmm. like golden in any production. Oh it's oh absolutely. And I've seen productions of this where uh the Romeo and the Mercutio are very good friends in real life, just the actors are, and it brings right. like a whole new magic to it. Oh, it, I can imagine. It, it's really I can something. imagine. Yeah. I can imagine the kind of like air of uh, not so much complexity, but just uh, famili uh, familiarity that would kind of bring to it. Oh, yeah. And um, we'll, we'll go into it, but Mercutio's whole bit about uh, Tybalt and describing Tybalt with all of this musical innuendo is just like i love it i love it and it's so this i think this is probably the most complex scene we've come across yet yeah yeah just in the sheer wordplay of it all um one thing i want to bring up before we dive into this that i think is so funny uh this is the scene where mercutio benvolio is more than the prince of cats and for that reason my family's looking at getting a cat i've told you this story but for the cast um my family's looking at getting a cat and i want to name I want to name the cat Tybalt because Tybalt's the prince of cats. And so I think that's should. really funny. Did I suggest that? I really to you? want to. I want to take credit no. for that idea. You didn't. You didn't. It was all me. And I'm very proud of myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was absolutely not your idea. Well, all right. Let's calm down. <laughs> no, I no, only say because a teacher of mine has a cat named Tybalt. And I. Really? Uh, yeah. And I. that's where I, think I got it's it. It's such from. a perfect cat name. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I think it's such a perfect cat name. It's up there with I Puck, so and the much, only but... reason it wins is, again, because Tybalt is the Prince of Cats. Tybalt's the Prince of Cats. Puck, Puck is such a cute name for a cat, but A, it's the, only the one syllable. And then you've got Tybalt over here that literally means cat in like the per in this period. And then you've got Tybalt, the Prince of Cats, or the King of Cats, or whatever you want to call it. And it's just so, it's so perfect. But then there's also Percy in the back of my mind, but this is a conversation for... <laughs> Yeah, what are we doing? Check out. All right. Um, all right, let's hop on it. <laughs> let's uh, let's just dive into this, shall we? 
We so shall. I will Shallest. go for it. Where the devil should this Romeo be? Came he not home tonight? That's our opening line from Mercutio. It means exactly what you think it means. Where is Romeo? Shouldn't he have come home tonight? Benvolio responds with, not to his father, I spoke with his man. And with his man is just, we use that nowadays with his servant, with his right-hand man. Um, so he didn't go home to his father's. I know that because I spoke with his servant. And then Mercutio comes in with what? Mercutio comes in with why that same pale-hearted wench that torments him. Mad. Uh, again, pretty much means exactly what you think it means. Um, right. So, that same pale-hearted wench, Rosalind, uh, just torments him so that he will surely run mad. They're like, essentially, Romeo's gonna go crazy over this as Mercutio says, wench. Um, God, that's such a ben good <laughs> It's so fun. We love it. Um, Mercutio replies, Tybalt, the kinsman of old Capulet, hath sent a letter. Essentially, Tybalt, uh, who is the Lord Capulet's kinsman, his nephew, specifically, he sent over a letter to Romeo uh, that morning to his father's house. And then Mercutio a challenge on my life uh, or a challenge I bet on my life. So Mercutio is essentially saying, I'm, sh I'm sure he's challenging him to a duel. I'll bet it on my life. To which Benvolio pipes up and says, Romeo will answer it. And uh, Romeo is, he's a testy guy. If we haven't gathered that already. Um, and he will surely answer the call. To which Mercutio says, any man that can write may answer a letter. But Benvolio says, nay, he will answer the letter's master, how he dares being dared. So Mercutio goes, well, yeah, of course he'll answer the letter. What are you, dumb? And then Benvolio <laughs> goes, no, no, no. Of course he'll answer the letter. He'll answer the letter's master. He'll go straight to Tybalt and accept his duel. Because he's courageous when he's being challenged. Um, and a little a note. strapping young man. A little note here on Mercutius, any man that may that can write may answer a letter. Uh, back in the times here, <laughs> the times, <laughs> duels were governed by a very specific rule of etiquette. Uh, first, a formal challenge was issued in the letter, as we are seeing here. And then if the other party accepted the challenge, said to answered it. Uh, and this is what Benvolio meant when he said Romeo will answer it. And Mercutio knew Benvolio meant that, but he was joking that anybody can, who can write can physically answer a letter. So Mercutio's just given Benvolio a hard time as he does. Um, and yeah, that's that for that. Uh, that's Benvolio all nay, that. That's all the things. Only anything and everything. Anyway. <laughs> then you have nay, I meant that he will answer the letters master directly. How he dares being dared, aka he's courageous when he's challenged. And then, what does Mercutio say? Alas, poor Romeo, he's already dead. Stabbed with a white <laughs> wench's black eye, shot through the ear with a love song, the very pin of his heart cleft with the blind bow boy's butt shaft. God, you... Stupid phrase. The alliteration is intense. And is it's he a so man intense. to encounter Tybalt? Okay, let's... Take that back. There's a lot here. Alas, poor a Romeo. Lot to pick apart. He's already dead, stabbed with a white wench's black eye, 
we got a little bit of wordplay with that. We have something I will talk to you about just now. Shakespeare describes Rosalind as a white wench because um, she's white and a wench, which creates an alliteration on the W. Um, always fun. That's got to be my favorite sort of grammar tool is alliteration. It's so fun. God, I just spend it... nights looking at alliteration. By giving that white <laughs> wench a black eye, he creates an antithesis, a pair of opposites. So white wench, black eye. Um, yeah, just wordplay. I just want to say for somebody who's like as wild as Mercutio, he is so, I don't want to say intelligent, but just so with his words. Like he knows how to like. He's very structured. He, he's structured. He knows exactly what to say to just like poke the bear to like say one thing, but everybody knows he means in something entirely different. He's so like, I just, gosh, he's such an interesting character to me. Um, anyway, you can, uh, go on. Sure. And then that whole passage, which I just, uh, which I just read, will coin it. Bow boys, butt shaft, um, <laughs> has a bit of imagery in it. So that alas, poor Romeo Mercutio humorously describes Romeo so incapacitated by the effects of love, as we've seen many a time, that he's in no condition to take on an angry Tybalt, that he's just going to fail instantly. He's been pierced in the heart by Cupid's bow, shot in the ear by love's songs, and stabbed by penetrating looks from his mistress's dark, beautiful eyes. Again, he's continuing to talk about Rosalind, whom he thinks Romeo is still infatuated with. Yeah. And then as we've seen, we've got more alliteration. The blind boy's butt shaft. Uh, just such an interesting, <laughs> such an interesting phrase. I don't know why I hadn't come across that before, but I, I kind of want to write that down. It's just so I love that. All right, go on. Though. <laughs> so funny. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So then Benvilli replies, "Why? What is Tybalt?" Again, self-explanatory. Not really all that much to get into there. Um. What is Tybalt? What is what a knife? Is a knife? <laughs> um, <laughs> Mercutio replies, "More than Prince of Cats, he's the oh, he's the courageous captain of compliments. Uh, he fights as you sing prick song or counterpoint. Keeps time, distance, and proportion. He po rests, pauses his minimum rests, shortest note. One, two, and the third, and your." Bosom, the very butcher of a silk button, a duelist, a duelist, a gentleman of the very da, 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 of the very first house of first and second cause, ah, the sada, the punter reverso, the hay. There's a lot here. There's a lot here. We'll dive into it right now. Um, to start, more than the Prince of Cats. Uh, as we kind of touched on previous, Tybalt was the word for cat. Uh, in this little speech here mercutio makes fun of Tybalt for being a gentleman duelist who spends a lot of time practicing the art of fencing when in actuality he is unlikely to ever swing a sword with the in intention of harming anyone in the play Tybalt is the butt of mercutio's satirical ridic ridicule but he was just a stand-in for the typical pretentious fashion conscious young nobleman who shakespeare saw every day in london um yeah so just a lot of Mercutio hating Tybalt. A lot of Tybalt hate here. Uh, so much. All of it. So much. Um, so then he fights as he sings Prick Song. Um, the very butcher of a silk button. Uh, Mercutio 
is mocking Tybalt here with that. Uh, this is a reference to the most famous fencer or sh- mm, fencer of Shakespeare's day who boasted that he could stab his opponent. Opponent, you heard? You ever heard of an opponent? I have his opponent <laughs> who could stab his opponent in whichever shirt button he chose. Um, so there's some some references to Shakespeare's time in this, which is interesting to me, as I feel we haven't really seen too many of those so far. I think there was a reference to another playwright previous, but nothing really uh, super stand out. Um, <clears throat> later on, here we have a duelist, a duelist, a gentleman of the very first house, second cause. Uh, here, Mercutio is describing Tybalt as a gentleman duelist of the very first house, meaning that he takes lessons at the house of the most famous fencing instructor, um, and that he's a gentleman duelist of the first and second cause, the causes for which one could legally issue a challenge published as a numbered list. Um, so just so, so much wordplay here. I love it. A lot of fencing um, maneuvers, as we see with the Posada, the Pinto Reverso, and the Hay. Um, they were all pretentiously known by their foreign names. Uh, pretentiously, mind bas- you. <laughs> what? Pretentiously, mind you. Oh, so pretentious. Um, so the Posada, or the proper Posata, uh, was a step forward or a side. Um, the Pinto Reverso was an Italian term, not, uh, well, still foreign. Okay, never mind. <laughs> it was an Italian term, meaning a backhanded stroke, and the hay is also an Italian word used when a thrust reaches the antagonist. So you just got a lot of fencing in this one little paragraph here. Benvolio replies um, with... The what? Which, as we know, means what? Back to you, Rowan. <laughs> uh, Mercutio, the pox <laughs> antic. Lisping, affecting fantasimes. Fantasimes. Uh, these new tuners. Fan- there you go. These new tuners of accent. So here we've got pox of or a plague on, which is a phrase that Mercutio is going to revisit in the future. Such antic or bizarre. Lisping, affecting fant. What did you say? Fantasms. Fantasimes? Fantasms. <laughs> Fantasimes. <laughs> or pretentious. Fantasimes! Go! Uh, pretentious creatures. Um, these new tuners of accent, which means Shakespeare's just continuing to make fun of that one dude. You all know that one guy, that one young nobleman hate that's. Him. <laughs> you hate him. Uh, so he's making fun of this guy, right? Uh, through Mercutius mocking of Tybalt, uh, this time su- satirizing, satirizing, something. It's a word. I'm not going <laughs> to say it right. Their affected manner of speaking uh, by new tuners of accents. Shakespeare means those who are putting on fake accents. Um, what's next? So then he goes, by Jesus, a very good blade, a very tall man. A very- uh, here. I'll take this one. Rather, please do. I've been talking for way too long. <laughs> By Jesu, a very good blade, a very tall man, and a very good whore, which is coincidentally what I say on my wedding night. Rather oh than God. speaking simply and directly, the young nobleman used inflated, contrived language, as Mercutio is prone to do. A good fellow became a very good blade, and a brave man became a very tall man. So um, he's just... He's bored by English. <laughs> And so is creating Who his own isn't? sort of. <laughs> Who isn't bored by English? And so is creating his anyway, own sort of um, 
descriptive measures to, although a very good whore, very self-explanatory. Um, why is not this a lamentable thing, grandsire, that we should be thus afflicted with these strange flies, these fashion mongers, these pardon moi's, who stand so much on the new form that they cannot sit at ease on the old bench. Oh, their bones, their bones. All right, let's take that apart. Why is this not a lamentable, oh, lamentable thing, I should say? This is quite the uh, sad thing, grandsire, good sir, that we should be thus afflicted with these strange flatterers, these fashion mongers, these pardon moi's, who stand, insist, so much on the new form of speaking that they cannot sit at ease on the old bench. So, I believe, uh, I, I don't believe I've written this down, but I, I believe this is a jab at the French, which um, nine times out of ten, you would be right in assuming that. <laughs> yeah, so that pardon was, is just a jab at people. He's essentially Flat saying, saying, excuse me. Yeah, he's essentially saying that um, language has become so pretentious that these good sirs are such sort of high and mighty pompous on the high horse that they're using all of this flattery, fashion monger esque language and refuse to sit on the old bench. Oh, their bones, their bones, because they quake when sitting down on this old bench. But, anyways, off we go. Benvolio comes in. Yes. One more thing. There's a little pun here. Uh, there's a pun on their bones referring to the fact that they use the French expression très bon instead of just saying very good. So there's a little bit of another jab of the French pun there. Uh, and then this is when Romeo enters and Benvolio says, here comes Romeo, here comes Romeo. I should sure hope I don't have to pick that apart. I feel that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, Our demographic saying, for the oh, fan group is uh, look, zero to two. Romeo. It's like, oh, hey, it's Romeo. He's coming. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Um, Baby's number one pastime after just coming out of the womb. New poll says, listening to the Anything and Everything podcast. <laughs> As they should. Getting them started young. All right. Indoctrination. Uh, Mercutio <laughs> replies quite lengthily, as he does, without his row like a dried herring, oh, fishified. Uh, Mercutio jokes that Romeo is turned from flesh to fish, or a dried herring, to be exact. A uh, herring was sold in the markets of Shakespeare's London. Typically, it was dried after the row or the eggs were removed. But the term row also referred to the male sperm, and that's how Mercutio is using it when he describes Romeo as rowless after presumably have spending the night with, after presumably having spent the night with Rosalind. So we're back to Romeo's roots, his good old innuendos here, his assumptions of Romeo's pastimes, you could say. <laughs> um, Little does he know that Romeo ain't getting any. Romeo's doing a fucky wucky. He's making some bad decisions here. Um, anyway. <laughs> All he's continue. getting is a kiss. Not <laughs> even from Rosalind. They're just doing as the pilgrims do. Keep Nothing in mind, special. This entire play, another moral you could take from this play is <laughs> we all need to compromise eventually. Just don't be an idiot about it. <laughs> there you go. Our dreams are unattainable. <laughs> Just relent. <laughs> I think that's exactly what Shakespeare has. <laughs> 100%. Our dreams are unattainable. And this, this is 
It's a lesson, kids. Um, anyway, Mercutio continues, now is he for the love poems that Petrarch flowed in, who was a poem. A po- <laughs> Petrarch was a poem, <laughs> an author. Um, Laura to his or Romeo's lady was a kitchen wench. Mary, she had a better to rhyme her. Dido, a, a dowdy or a frump. Cleopatra, a gypsy. Helen and her height. Hildings or hags and Harlows, whores. Mercutio is just really going at it right now. He's really going at it. This be a gray eye or so, aka not bad looking, but not to the purpose. Signor Romeo, bonjour, once again, French. Jabbing at the French. There's a French salutation, greeting to your French slop. You gave us the counterfeit fairly or positively last night. Just gosh, <laughs> so much. Uh, and there's a little bit to, but we'll get, okay, there's a little bit to go into here, but let's keep going. Let's do it. Good morrow to you both. What counterfeit did I give you? So Romeo says, good morning to you both. What counterfeit did I give you? What business have I with the both of you? And Mercutio says, the slip, sir, the slip, can you not conceive? So Romeo goes, what did I do? Why, why are you guys looking at me like that? Mercutio goes, you left us. You abandoned us in the middle of the night. Do you not understand? And following from what Rowan was saying earlier, there's a little bit of wordplay here with counterfeit, as in the previous speech. Um, he's coming right back to it, full circle. So Mercutio sets Romeo up for a pun on the word counterfeit. Romeo thinks that Mercutio is accusing him of having given them a counterfeit coin the evening before as he's prone to do. He's a teenager, a little rambunctious <laughs> little teen. But to give someone the counterfeit, counterfeit, rather, can also mean to give them the slip or to duck out on them. So that's what Mercutio is actually accusing Romeo of doing when he hopped over that wall into Juliet's garden last night. So, And Mercutio is just so awfully offended that he set Romeo up for this. It fell short. Um, there's a lot of that, I feel. And it's, there's a lot in... A, kind of Mercutio and Romeo getting back in their back and forth antics in this scene and Mercutio kind of setting Romeo up for a joke and Romeo either disappointing him or going along with it perfectly or even, you know, coming back with his own joke. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And we're starting to get into the more complex aspects of this scene. So uh, try not to get too terrified. Stay I know with I us am. here, folks. Yeah, so Romeo replies... Pardon, good Mercutio. My business was great, and in such a case as mine, a man may strain courtesy. A.K.A. my business was important, and in such a case as mine, a man may forget his manners. So it's essentially, well, sorry, man. I got, I had a uh, thing to handle. And Mercutio replies, that's as, that's as much as to say such a case as yours constrains a man to bow in the hands. Romeo, meaning to curtsy or to bend in respect. Uh, here, when Romeo says that his case may strain courtesy, so to speak, it sounds as if he's saying that his case may constrain courtesy, requiring a curtsy, a bending of the legs, or a bow in the hams, as Mercutio puts it. Romeo probably did not give get Mercutio's innuendo. Case is slang for the female genitalia, and a bowing of the hams, the thigh and buttocks, is the motion a man makes when having sexual intercourse. So Mercutio coming right so out of there. True. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gates with quite the innuendo here that Romeo absolutely misses, does not pick up on in the slightest. Um, and this is just going to continue. It's just going to continue. Take it away. Mercutio? 
That's as much to say such a case as yours constrains a man to bow in the hams. Well, that's, again, as you've just said, that wordplay, that little playful jab, meaning to curtsy or to bend in respect. Mercutio, thou hast most kindly hit it. Um... <laughs> so, thou hast most kindly hit it. Mercutio's statement that Romeo has hit it. Two interpretations. One, that he's made the connection between curtsy and courtesy. And two, that he's slept with Rosalind. So, <laughs> Romeo is just getting blasted, as all good friends do by their other good friends, for um, doing the dirty. With, <laughs> doing the dirty. Doing the We're dirty the with the neighbor last woman. Night. Yes. <laughs> the neighbor woman. <laughs> Romeo did not do that. So he's completely missing all of Mercutio's attempts at innuendo here as he has nothing, he has no reason to. He didn't do anything Mercutio's accusing, accusing him of. Um. So after that, Romeo is starting <laughs> to pick up on the wordplay a little bit. <laughs> Most courteous exposition, or oh. nice way to say it. Mercutio, nay, I am the very pink of pussy, which is a which is more of a common quote from this play, and I love it a lot. Um, nay, or indeed, I am the very flower of courtesy. Uh, Romeo, pink for flower. Mercutio, right. Pink was another word for flower, as we're seeing here. Mercutio's expression, the very pink of courtesy, means the very height of courtesy. Just the very height. Romeo pipes in and goes, Why then is my pump well flowered? And that's a thing, we'll get to that. He goes, well said, follow me in this just now till thou hast worn out thy pump, that when the single soul of it is worn, the jest may remain after the wearing. So, why then is my pump well flowered? More innuendo. Romeo's just, picking up on it now. I'd just like to note that <laughs> in my notes here, <laughs> when I was going through and analyzing this, I wrote, OMG, Romeo made an innuendo Mercutio's brand. So Romeo is starting to pick up a little bit on Mercutio's wordplay and innuendo, and he's so ready to use it, and I think it's really funny. When people that, spend uh, enough time around each other, they start making the dirtiest <laughs> jokes known to man. Why, yeah. then, is my pump well... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, don't know who you're hanging out with. We should get that checked. You! <laughs> okay, let's keep that for listening in, folks, which you should listen to. Innuendo. Listen to listening in. Listen in to listening in, if you will. Anyway. If I, I will. I will. Why, then, is my pump well flowered? Romeo's shoes, Why or is his it? pumps, rather, are decorated with small perforations called pinking. And since pink means flower, one could say that these pumps are well flowered. Mercutio gets the sexual innuendo. Romeo's pump is well-flowered because he has used it to deflower many a young maiden. Which... Yeah, this is making me so happy to see Romeo actually using wordplay and they're like wordplaying at each other. Like, gosh, I love it so much. Okay, well, I will um, say throughout this entire play, I have made the stand that I hate Romeo. I still do. That being said, I hate him because he's a simp when he's around... <laughs> His friend. When he's around Mercutio, he's great. Yeah, he's great because Mercutio Mercutioizes him. Yeah, he tends to act very differently around with Juliet. 
the the version of Romeo we see with Mercutio is witty, um, handsome, sexy. witty. <laughs> that might be pushing it a little bit. It's just a more witty kind of comedic side of him that we don't see when he's not with Mercutio. So it's very interesting to look at. All right, here we've got God, just so much, so much to dive into. So, uh, so Mercutio, sure would follow with me this jest now to the house worn out by pump, so that when the single soul of it is worn, the jest may remain after the wearing solely singular. Romeo replies, "Oh, single soul, jest solely singular for the singleness." Best so, line. I, can you can you sense this? Can you sense the wordplay here, folks? One of the best lines in that in this entire play. Oh, single soul, jest solely singular for the singleness. Um, Mercutio, come between us, good Benvolio, my wits faint. So I will go ahead and start us off with this. And Throw it over to you. So, at this point, Romeo and Mercutio's wordplay gets so very complex, as I'm sure that you tell just reading the original language. So, let's walk through it, shall we? We shall. Um, Mercutio <laughs> begins by telling Romeo to follow along. Follow me this just now. Then he continues as if Romeo were to physically follow him until you lightweight dancing shoes or as we mentioned, his pumps. Follow me this just now till thou hast worn out thy pump when that when the single soul of it is worn. Now, Romeo is left holding the jest, which Mercutio describes as being solely singular. Um, the, <clears throat> the descriptive phrase solely singular has a double meaning, as I'm sure we can all guess. In one sense, the jest has been left alone, singular by the soul which is worn away. It's been left solely singular. Um... Why don't you pick it up? Unless you would like me to keep going. I, you absolutely may. And then All I'll right, take then. the next chunk. Take the next over Perfect. here. Perfect. So then Romeo then picks up on the second meaning and dinging jest of his own. Oh, single soul jest <laughs> solely singular for the singleness. He agrees that Mercutio's single souled jest is totally unusual, but it's unusual for its simpleness. Ouch! Just really. Going for the jugular. Although Romeo may call Mercutio's jest simple, trying to decipher these witticisms is making our head spin. <laughs> is your head spinning? It may. Uh, very much so. If you tune in on YouTube, you can see my head spinning. You can see his head spinning. It's quite gruesome. Um, <laughs> Blood and, everywhere. You know, Mercutio, Mercutio has to feel the same way because he now calls step in and stop this war of wits between him and Romeo. Um, nobody in the audience is going to follow along these lines as they're, you know, watching play for the first time. They can never follow this complicated wordplay. So, perhaps all this jesting was also solely singular in the sense that only one person could follow it, and that person was Shakespeare himself. Um, so we've got just <laughs> so much, so much here. Didn't it make sense? I don't know. You tell me. Leave a comment. Um, <laughs> leave a comment. Like and subscribe. So anyway. after all that huge chunk of garbly gook that is this play, we come to Romeo who says, switch and spurs, switch and spurs, or I'll cry a match. Whip and spurs, switch and spurs, or I'll cry game over. So Romeo, as with the spurs and the whip, you can best assume that he's talking about racing horses. So Romeo compares their competition of wits to a horse race, urging Mercutio to keep spurring on his wit, otherwise Romeo will declare himself the winner. 
and Mercutio can't have that. That would be oh, that would be that would be <laughs> awful. Be horrible. We can't let that happen. Mercutio launches into a mini little paragraph here and says, "Nay, if our wits run the wild goose chase, I have done." For thou hast more than the hmm, more of the wild goose in one of thy wits than I am sure I have in my whole five. Was I with you there for the goose? Okay. Gosh, I love all this goose talk. <laughs> I know, because who are we, Rowan? Because we're the geese. We're geeses. We're silly geeses. We're silly geeses. Silly geeses. We are this the is geeses. this is our this is our pl- our, this is gosh, tack it to your wall. Act two, scene four. That's our scene, geeses. It's our scene. It's the ge- it's the scene of the geeses. Some people have a song, we have a scene. So true. Nay, if our wits run the wild goose chase, I have done. I will lose. For thou hast more of the wild goose in one of thy wits than I am sure I have in my whole five. I was even there for, <laughs> for the goose, the jest. So goose meaning jest in this case. So five wits. Sometimes the word wits refers to five external senses. Healing, sight, touch, smell, feel. But here it's referring to five internal wits, such as good reasoning and judgment. So a little bit of that there. And he's saying, one of your wits can trump my whole five because, oh my God, you've really stepped up to the plate today, Romeo. Good on you. <laughs> and he has. And then he changes. He's coming out to play. He changes the topic again. And he goes, was I even with you there for the goose? So, was I even with you for the jest? To which Romeo replies, Thou wast never with me for anything when thou wast there for the goose. So, the only thing in which you surpassed me is stupidity. <laughs> um, Romeo is really just, God, I'm so proud of him. I know. I'm so proud of Our him right now. Has grown up. Gosh, he's just, he, he came out to play. Still gonna die, though. Gosh. Still gonna die. <laughs> He's still gonna die. I will bite so you by the ear for that chest. Yeah, this is all just the start to a very complex um, wit match. So I will bite thee in the ear for that jest, which we will explain shortly. Uh, nay, good goose, bite not. So now they're referring to each other as geese. Uh, thy wit is a very is bittersweet thing. <laughs> it is a most sharp sauce. So thy wit is a very bittersweet thing. Romeo? And is it not then well served into its sweet goose? Mercutio, oh, here's a wit of chevril, soft leather, that stretches from an inch narrow to an elbow, a yard wide. Romeo, I stretch it out for that word broad, which added to the goose proves thee far and wide abroad, or body goose. So would you like to just dive into that? Well, so they keep on referring to each other as geese, and geese is being tossed back and forth between its two meanings, one meaning jest, which Mercutio has already coined it, and the second by its other meaning of an actual goose. So Romeo just digs into him with the comment, thou wast never with me for anything when thou wast not there for the goose. Mercutio then goes, I will bite thee by the ear for that jest. He's Getting a little bit ag- aggressive now. His wit is fainting from it. It's all still playful, of course. Um, I will, I'll nip you for that, you little slugger. To which Romeo says, "Nay, good goose, bite not." Um, as we all know, all of us, all, every single one, geese are somewhat aggressive and uh, are seen to bite quite a bit. Take a little bit of nibble out of the human flesh. Nay, good goose, bite not. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thy wit is a very bitter sweetening. Which is the most sharp sauce. Bitter sweet thing. So thy wit is a very I don't know, I don't like where this is going, your whole being better than me at this. <laughs> I on the one hand I'm proud of you, on the other hand, it's um it's a little bit unsettling. It is a most sharp sauce, very penetrating, and it it hurts. <laughs> it it's painful. It's like you're starting to outshine me in this wordplay thing and uh we can... That's my thing. Dude, That's your crazy. thing used to be and love and, you know, <laughs> angsty. My thing is to be smart. And is it not well served into a sweet goose, which he's taking it literally, which is another form, which is another form of wordplay, um, and taking the sharp sauce element and going, that sauce is best served with goose. <laughs> best served goose. Gosh. Yeah. So here we have just, gosh, gosh, so much wordplay. Um, we had that line, nay of our, <laughs> God, that got really loud. We have that line, nay of our wits run the wild goose chase begins another long series of wordplay based on the word goose, as Ty just mentioned, which is even more obscure than our sing solely singular just wordplay earlier in the scene. Um First, we're going some pertinent characteristics of geese. Uh, first of all, it's very difficult. Uh, yes, it is. Never You're mind. Right <laughs> I misread my notes. It's very um, difficult. No matter how difficult a path the lead goose takes, as if you were seeing a string of geese walking in the line, every subsequent goose always follows exactly in its footsteps. Um, which gave rise to a popular horse race in Shakespeare's day called a wild goose chase, in which the first rider sets a difficult course while the second rider tries to keep up while following the exact same line. Seems like so much fun. All of it. Um, another characteristic of a geese, of a geese, <laughs> is that they are notoriously unintelligent. Most references to a goose simply imply stupidity. And finally, geese are by nature rather mean. As Ty had mentioned, they're aggressive you turn their back on when you're likely to receive a bite in your butt. You see so, why Mercutio is given all sorts of little zingers right there. I know. Romeo is just coming at him. I'm so proud of him. Anyway. <laughs> so let's... Our first goose jest. Romeo has just urged Mercutio to keep their battle of wits up by using a metaphor of a horse race. Switch and spurs, switch and spurs, or I'll cry a match. Mercutio presumes that Romeo is referring to a wild goose chase, as mentioned previous, and since they are having a contest with wits, it follows that their jests will be running the race. If that's the case, Mercutio says, then he's going to lose. According to Mercutio's reasoning, the racer that is more like a goose is going to win a wild goose chase, and Romeo has five times as much goose or stupidity in his wits as Mercutio and his. As he says, for thou hast more of the wild goose in one of thy wits than I am sure I have in my whole. Striking back. Mercutio then. Yeah, tracking back to the whole wits discussion. Mercutio then asks if he has stayed even with Romeo in the race of wits, then. Nope. Even with Romeo in the race of wits with his clever goose jest. And Romeo scores a point when he says that Mercutio never even with when it comes to geese or stupidities. Once again, 
calling Mercutio stupid. We love to see it. We love to. We adore that. We love to. We absolutely love it. And at this point, Romeo has essentially called Mercutio a stupid goose, as we've mentioned. Many a time. So, many a time. So, Mercutio pretends to be a goose and threatens to bite Romeo. But since Goose is another name for a prostitute, Mercutio decides to take on that role and playfully gives Romeo a tip on the ear. I will bite thee on the ear for that jest. Playing along... God, I love this so much. Playing along with Mercutio in the role of a prostitute, Romeo laughingly cites the proverb, a good goose bites not. Mercutio, pretending to have taken a bite out of Romeo, describes his wit as a sharp sauce. At which point they playfully have sex. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> the, jo- like- the joke goes a little bit too far. <laughs> they seem like the kind of guys who would kiss the homies goodnight, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is very much that kind of energy. Um, <laughs> it's like Brutus and Cassius kissing the homies goodnight. Um, <laughs> Which, if you haven't, read that play. Read it. It's very good. But yes, Mercutio um, pipes up after all of this. Well, we're not out of the woods quite yet, but he goes, oh, here's a width of chevril that stretches from an inch to an <laughs> an inch narrow to an L broad. Chevril is soft leather. So here's a width of very soft leather, very malleable, that stretches from an inch narrow to an L broad. He's referring to how stupid and dumb and sort of a playboy Romeo was just one night ago, and now he's really stepping up to the plate, and his wit is a yard wide as opposed to an inch narrow as it was before. It's um, stretching that wit pretty thin. Pretty thin. Romeo pipes up. He goes, I stretch it out. End of scene. <laughs> no, he says, I stretch it out. For that word broad, which added to the goose, proves the far and wide a broad goose. Broad meaning body. He's using it both ways. He's taking that word and twisting it right on over. Um, He's making one final innuendo. Yes, you are a body goose, also, you know, a prostitute. Um, So he's really, in that one comment, calling him dumb, a whore, a slut, a prostitute, (laughs) and aggressive. Oh, and overtly body. (laughs) God, Rikushu nailing the, not Rikushu, Romeo just really putting the nail in the coffin. And then and, we uh, have... And that's that. That's that whole... That little interaction amounted to all of that wordplay and innuendo. It's Can the... we hear it? A round of applause for Romeo and Mercutio. I feel like it's necessary. They really are a great um, duo. They really are, and I wish we got more of them. Get the Benvolio and Mercutio simps out of here. <laughs> I am one of them. <laughs> um, no, but I wish we had more with Mercutio in such a setting as this because we don't, this is like really the only time we see Romeo stepping up to the plate and using that brain of his for anything. It's very um, true and if you analyze the dialogue it seems that Mercutio himself is quite surprised so um, this, is very not, surprised. this is not a regular thing that we're missing. This is like a whole changing character since he has found his lady love. Yeah, he's finally out of the out of, uh, he's finally out of the, his slump about Rosalind and it's done something to him. And up to this point in the play, Romeo has not been Mercutio's wits and wordplay as he is now. He's always just kind of missed his innuendos and it's caused Mercutio a great deal of pain. Um, so Mercutio is quite pleased and quite 
uh, nerve wracked, honestly, that Ro- Romeo is managing to keep up with him in such a manner because he's it and he's like, "Yo, I don't like this." Shut Yo, up. can you like not? Maybe I'm the king. <laughs> I am the king of wordplay. Back up. <laughs> Back up right now. <laughs> so we had Romeo's last line. I stretched it out for the word broad, which added to the goose proves the far and wide a body goose. To which Mercutio replies. <laughs> I guess I'm reading it. Why is not this better now than for love? Now art thou sociable, now art thou Romeo, now art thou what thou by art as well as by nature. For this driveling love is like a great natural that no, that's right. Who is yelling outside? Um is like a great natural that runs that runs lolling up and down to hide his bobble in a hole. So uh Romeo, now art thou what thou art by ability as well as by nature. Notice how here Shakespeare uses the word art five times in quick succession. Now art thou sociable, now art thou Romeo, now art thou what thou art by art. Four times to mean are and then once meaning ability. So now are the, thou are you sociable, now you are Romeo, now are you what, gosh, now are you what you are by ability essentially. Um, for this driveling or blathering love is like a great fool that runs drooling up and down to hide his trinket in a hole. Mercutio compares someone in love to a mentally disabled person playing with a toy. But in Shakespeare's time, a bauble was also the name for the staff carried by the court jester, who often used it for making obscene gestures. I'm sure you can imagine what they are. (laughs) (laughs) So in this metaphor, Mercutio, Comparing love to a fool running up and down to hide his bobble in a hole. And to which Benvolio pipes up, stop, stop, stop please, please for the and love of God. <laughs> this is getting a bit extreme, please. Quiet, shut up. Mercutio then says, thou desirest me to stop in my tail against the hair. Benvolio says, thou wouldst else have made thy tail large, which in itself is a little bit of wordplay. Mercutio says, oh, thou art deceived. I would have made it short, for I was come to the whole depth of my tale, and meant indeed to occupy the argument no longer. And then we have everybody enter. But before that, let's go back here. Thou desirest me to stop in my tale against the hair. He's basically, are you sure? Because I can certainly continue on my little tangent. <laughs> I, I mean, you want me to stop? That, I've that's, got... that's a little bit ridiculous. I have so many more <laughs> stories to tell. I've just got so much going on up there. (laughs) A little bit too much. Thou wouldst (laughs) else have made thy tail large. So otherwise it would have been a little bit too large. And tail, um, in Shakespeare's day, this is two different types of tail. One tail against the other. Tail is in a story which you tell. A tail is in what animals possess um, by... Having a large tail, it's insinuated that you're very cowardly because there's more to tuck between your legs when you run away. So Benvolio is getting in his own little digs there. And, uh, He's getting in. Benvolio is stepping up to the innuendo plate. And- <laughs> Even when Benvolio steps up, that's when you know you got to back down. That's when, when, you, when Benvolio is getting in on That's when you know maybe we should stop. Maybe. Um, Mercutio says, thou art deceived, I would have made it short, for I was come to the whole depth of my tale, and meant indeed to occupy the argument no longer. So, nothing much here, it's just, oh, you're very wrong, I was at the end of my tale, and meant indeed 
to not speak of it much longer. Enter Nurse and Peter. Oh. All these. One guys. more thing. He also uh, he also builds on Benvolio's previous innuendo as the male can also be a term for the male genitalia, as you mentioned. And to stop evokes the image of a stopper being placed in the hole of a cask of ale, and the hair refers to the female genitalia. So again, innuendo to which Mercutio kind of plays off of, which he kind of plays off of in his response in a bodier sense he's once again putting a tail as in the male genitalia and argument as the female so i was come to the whole depth or end of my tail and meant to indeed occupy the argument no longer juxtaposition like, wordplay you cannot beat it folks you really can't and the then tail and the hair and peter what a delightful <laughs> pair those what are a delight for a little children's story oh goodness i remember <laughs> reading that and that's why i'm where i am today <laughs> So then we have the nurse and Peter, and uh, Romeo says, Here's goodly gear, a sail, a sail. To which Mercutio says, Two, two, a shirt and a smock. Um, Yes, smock meaning blouse. The nurse calls out, Peter, anon, my friend Peter. And then it goes off into a little bit of, um, we start to get more, complex as more characters enter the scene and begin talking but a sail a sail a sail was the cry made when a lookout who sights a ship coming over the horizon which is that nurse and servant resemble from a distance which is a play on their um weight <laughs> there's, no there's a lot of that, that in shakespeare there's a lot of that in shakespeare i'm learning in my <laughs> endeavors comedy of errors jesus christ but yes God. um it was so funny as well. Anyways, it was hilarious, but it was so bad. So that's what we have here. And then we have the nurse who is just a servant like Peter is acting as though she's upper class. Peter's not impressed and passes her anyways. So Peter and the nurse. The nurse, for a little pretext, um, the Peter is almost the servant to the servant but is really, yeah. in effect, the closest thing that the nurse comes to as far as companionship in this play. Um, it would be suitable to say that the Peter is regarded in most cases as her boyfriend, pretty much. Serves that purpose. Mercutio launches in. My fan. Nope. Good Peter. So, okay, the nurse says, my fan, Peter. To which Mercutio pipes in, good Peter to hide her fans, the fairer fan. Uh, here we just, a lot of Mercutio digging at the nurse because he's a pompous little asshole and, and he likes, <laughs> we love him dearly. The nurse, not so much. So good Peter to hide her face for her fans, the fairer or prettier face. So we don't want to look at her face anymore. Give her her fans so she can cover her face. <laughs> the nurse, uh, replies, God, you good morrow, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Mercutio, God, God, you good in or good evening. Fair gentlewoman. The nurse is a good evening, or good afternoon, evening. Um, Mercutio, tis no less, I tell you, for the body. Again, we're going back to that body uh, wordplay. Hand of the dial is now upon the noon. So, tis no less, I tell you, for, for the indecent hand of the dial is now upon the frick of noon. The round dial represents the female, once again, genitalia, while hand is the male genitalia. Him and the freaking innuendos standing at the erect 12 o'clock position. So he's just really first interaction with this nurse and he's <laughs> talking about 
what he's talking about. <laughs> to which he's talking about which, what he's talking about. <laughs> to which the nurse replies. Well, 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 well. You know. You know how it is. Out upon you. There you go. What sort of a man are you? So <laughs> she takes a little <laughs> bit of offense at this and I just met you. What sort of a man are you? What are you? The scum of the streets? <laughs> Romeo replies, one gentlewoman that God hath made for himself to ruin or mar. So the phrase alludes to the biblical idea of man being made in God's own image and the proverbial expression make or mar to make something better or to destroy it. Mercutio means that he is a man that God made to harm others, but the nurse misinterprets him, thinking Mercutio means that he is a man God made so that he, God, could harm him. So. Again, a dig at, at Mercutio. Just, just all the dig. So this man has been created as God's play plaything because god is bored and he's selected this man <laughs> to specifically mar him and ruin everything about him just look at his personality that's essentially because what god is saying. bored god, god is gets so very funny. bored the nurse launches in and says by my troth it is well said for himself to mar quoth a or he rather gentlemen can any of you tell me where i might find where i may find the young romeo complete change of topic just you know, I'm going She's to ignore that. Uh, that <laughs> She's not dignifying any of this with the response. That trash. Romeo says, I could tell you. <laughs> I could tell you. <laughs> I know a guy. I could tell you. But young Romeo will be older when you have found him as he was when you sought him. I am the youngest of that name for fault of a worse, for lack of a worse, and young and youngest. Romeo teases the nurse for referring to him as young Romeo. He acknowledges that being young Romeo for lack of the worse adjective, thus inverting the normal phrase for fault, lack of a better. More language. The nurse pipes in <laughs> so with much what? language. You say well, so just good words. Um, <laughs> nice, nice word. <laughs> nice words. Um, Mercutio plays yay is the very well took in faith in faith wisely wisely. So Mercutio can't help but dig at the nurse yet again uh, in making fun of the nurse's choice of words. She <laughs> should have said you speak well instead of saying you say well. What Romeo literally said was the word worse. Mercutio asks if the word worse means well, then by asking is the worst well, he asks, acts as if the nurse has said something well taken, even wise. So she's, he's just really rubbing in the fact that this nurse does not have the kind of wit in wordplay that the, the rest of the party there present does. Just taking and, advantage uh, of it. She's, she's, he is taking advantage of it. He's using complex wordplay that he nurse isn't going to understand so that he can further make fun of her for not understanding it. Nurse the nurse replies totally ignores that, goes, if you be he, sir, I desire some confidence with you. Benvolio goes, she will indict him for some supper, which in itself is a little bit of language. We have confidence and indict. The nurse, who, as we've stated, is not the most educated person in the world, commits a Malapropism is what you would call that. She uses the wrong word, but when that sounds like the word she intended. What the nurse meant to say was, I desire some conference with you, meaning she wants to speak to Romeo. Benvolio makes fun of her by intentionally committing another malapropism. He says that the nurse is going to indict 
Romeo for supper instead of invite him. So, and I love, sorry to cut you off. I love this line because it shows that just as much of a ask them. Mercutio and Romeo are just always one upping him, showing him up. But Benvolio is like, I can be mean too. <laughs> God, the I nurse, know words too. The nurse just walked into a hailstorm of bullshittery and <laughs> didn't make it out alive. God damn. Mercutio then follows up with a bod, a bod, a bod, so ho. So a bod is a pimp or a madam <laughs> procures clients for her prostitutes. Since the nurse is Juliet's overseer and has come to see Romeo Mercutio. <laughs> a bot is a pimp or a madman <laughs> alliance for her prostitutes. Since the nurse is Juliet's overseer and has come to see Romeo, Mercutio is jokingly pretending she's procuring Romeo for Juliet. As it turns out, he's not that far off the mark. But bod is also another name for a hare, a rabbit, and soho is the call which a hunter makes to alert the other hunters when he's flushed out a hare. Um, there's an incredible amount of callback there I'd also like to mention, which you can glance by yourself. But a bod, a bod, a bod, soho. What hast thou found? Goes Romeo. <laughs> no hare, sir, unless a hare, sir, in Lenten pie. That is something stale and horror ere it be spent. So. We, we've got a lot here. Lent. So Lent is a 40-day period leading up to Easter when Catholics give up luxuries such as meat. Mercutio is imagining a rabbit pie which someone has prepared ahead of time to be eaten secretly during Lent. But the meat in the pie is not likely to last 40 days and will become moldy or whore, as is stated. Not W-H, just H-O-A-R. Before it is eaten, the word whore also means gray with age, generally referring to someone's hair, thus linking the gray hair on the nurses and the servants' heads with the mold on top of a Lenten pie. So again, just the incredible amount of awful, awful... I mean, you see those videos all the time of, of teens and and youths just ganging up on the elderly and you just hate them so much with such a passion. Um, this is what's Rikishi going on. does it in a way that's cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, you want to see her get beaten up. You want them to. You want, you want Mercutio to keep going because he's just besting her so clearly and so obviously. Man, you want so him to whip superior. out the verbal bat. It's very true. You really do. You really do. This is just so, gosh, so clearly not following up on it at all. Um, so after that, Mercutio starts singing as the obnoxious little man he is. Because yes, um, all people who sing are obnoxious. <laughs> I speak as one of them. <laughs> um, so going, uh, continuing on, previous, an old hair whore and an old whore is a very good blend. But a hair that is whore is too much for a score when it whores ere it be spent. So, but a hair that is whore is too much for a score or is too much for the price when it molds ere it be spent. So he's essentially just repeating exactly what he just said in the form of song. We love to see it. We love an artistic little man. Little big <laughs> man. We love Little him. big man. Uh... So then he stops singing, Romeo, will you come to your father's? We'll go to dinner there. Um, he's given up at this point. He's done. He's 
nailed his coffin. He's ready to go home. Romeo replies, I will follow you. Mercutio, farewell. Ancient lady, farewell. Singing again, lady, lady, lady. Nope, he had been volio. Get right on out of there. So I will mention that... Please do. As well as just the incredible indecency which he has shown to the elderly, not elderly, but to his (laughs) elders, he has called her ancient and fat in the same... In, in the same little bit of wordplay. And that's why we love him. No, Gosh, I like Mercutio, don't like old people. <laughs> so I can relate to him. <laughs> Gosh, we love to see it. You're going to be 80 and you're going to go, God, those old people. <laughs> I just cannot stand them. Gosh. So now we are left alone with the nurse and Romeo. The nurse asking Romeo... I pray you, sir, what saucy merchant or insolent fellow was this that was so full of his ropery or roguery, Um, which we have some wordplay that we will talk about at the end of Romeo's little response here. A gentleman nurse that loves to hear himself talk and will speak more in a minute than he will stand or listen to in a month. So the nurse's use of the word ropery suggests to Romeo another word, which is a description of Mercutio, rope ripe. It refers to someone who speaks too much and uses overly elaborate language. Exactly what Mercutio is. Um, and it jokingly stems from the fact that this type of person is so irritating that they are fit to be hung. <laughs> Romeo implies that Mercutio will speak more in a minute than he will stand to in a month. To which the nurse answers, What? And to speak anything against me, I'll take him down. And a word lustier than he is, and twenty such jacks, and if I cannot, I'll find those that shall. Scurvy knave! I am none of his flirt gills. I am none of his skeins mates. And just lovely, lovely, lovely Shakespearean insults and all manner of things. And thou must stand too. Stand by to and suffer every knave to use me at his pleasure. She's talking to Peter in that instant. But if we take this back, and uh, if he speaks, cracks me up here, I apologize. It cracks me up here that the nurse is forgiven. like, if anyone speaks to me like that, I'll take him down. Oh yeah, she <laughs> just leaves singing in victory. Not like, only, girl, not you only missed your chance. Is she apparently, by Mercutio's logic. Fat and ancient, but she's lacking a distinct set of balls. So <laughs> she she's just out of the picture, really. God, that's so funny. That's so just entirely funny. bested by my man over here. And to speak anything against me, if he speak anything against me, I'll take him down. Even if he were more arrogant than he is, and twenty such rude fellows, and if I cannot, I'll find those that shall. Despicable knave! I am none of his loose women, I am none of his rascally friends. So, basically, she's like, I, that boy should respect me for who I am, and, you know, if, if I can't take him down, I'll find someone who does. Speaking of, and then she turns to Peter, why didn't you help me out? And, but... You know, like you just stand by and let everyone at, use me at his pleasure. pleasure. Use me at his pleasure. You might, if you are particularly dirty-minded, is um an incredibly uh, provocative thing to say. 
So we have some innuendo there. Another malaprop used by the nurse. Not really used by the nurses. The nurse is rather used by the malaprop more than the nurse uses <laughs> That's malaprop. accurate. Another malaprop by the nurse results in an unintentional innuendo. She meant to accuse Peter of standing by and not allowing and allowing every knave to insult her to abuse me as he pleases, not to use me at his at his pleasure with its sexual connotation. Yeah, and then earlier in that little chunk, uh, she used the word lusty, which in Shakespeare's day could be. The nurse means the former, of course, but as Ty mentioned, the malaprop uses her. The innuendos use her. She doesn't really have control over what she's saying, to no, a degree. I, the meaning of which. Everybody um, loves the nurse, and we do... I love the nurse. I, I love the nurse. Don't get me wrong. I love her too much. But she just gets trumped so incredibly she aggressively She does not hold of just... Gosh... The nurse means, as we said, the former. She means to say error. But it sounds as if she's saying that even Mercutio were more aroused than he is, or that even if Mercutio were more aroused than he is, she would get rid of his erection and those of his and those of twenty of his friends. And if she can't, she'll find some girl. And it seems like she's getting back into the pimping business, as we mentioned previously. Yes, uh, yes. All the geese running around, stealing everyone's <laughs> erections. <laughs> Two-inch Peter replies. Did you say two-inch Peter? <laughs> I said twitch Peter. Two <laughs> That's Peter very different. Here. I saw no man use you at his pleasure. If I had, my weapon would have been quickly out, I warrant you. I dare draw as soon as another man, if I see occasion in a good quarrel and the law on my side. More innuendo, as we can readily note. Um, again, believe- unintentional. So, I saw no man use you at his pleasure if I had my weapon. Take that what you will. It should quickly have been out, I warrant you. I dare draw as soon as another man. I still have that vigor in my step. I've got that pep. If I see occasion in a good quarrel and the law on my side. So, but he's... Peter is also renowned for being cowardly. Um... And he goes, I saw no man use you at his pleasure. Now, there are two possible meanings here. He could, one, use you at his pleasure. This could be a complete understanding, and he's just kind of explaining a situation. Or he could he could be going off of her malapropping and saying, I saw no man try to violate you sexually. A bit too literally. A bit too literally. Am I not mistaken, or did we have innuendo in, like, the first scene of the play? I'm going to need you to repeat that. You cut out. I hate that. Um, am I not mistaken, or did we see this exact same weapon draw out innuendo very early in the play, like the first scene? That's true, and we'll see it again in, uh, I believe, if not the next scene, the scene after. But yes, it's very, very common. It's just an easy innuendo to fall back on. Some <laughs> has it? It's been it's been more than five lines. We need we need it. God knows when um, there's a testy wench around my vexed step, I draw my blade. Gosh. The nurse replies to Peter, Now before God, I am so vexed that every part about me um, I am so irritated that every part about me quit. Again, we have an inadvertent innuendo by the nurse. Are you sensing a theme? No. Perhaps. Well, you Explain should. Explain it to me. 
<laughs> she means that Mercutio has made her has a sexual connotation to which sexual I don't feel like to explain. Oh my sexual god. Sexual connotation? Oh, the vapors. <laughs> Scurvy knave! And then she turns to Romeo. Pray you, sir, a word. And as I told you, my young lady, bid me inquire you out. My young lady, Juliet, begged me to come find you. When she bid me say, what she bid me say, I will keep to myself. I'm not going to tell you what she wanted me to tell you. But first, let me tell you, if you should lead her in a fool's paradise, as they say, it were a very gross kind of behavior, as they say. For the gentlewoman is young, and therefore, if you should steal double or double cross with her, truly it were or would be an ill thing to be offered to any gentlewoman in a very wicked dealing. So essentially that if you hurt her, I'll hurt her. <laughs> Treat her well. Don't double cross her. Be a, be a gentleman for this gentlewoman. Um... To which Romeo replies and goes, Nurse, commend me to thy lady and mistress. I protest unto thee, and then he gets cut off. But this opening segment, although not much in itself, starts a long chain reaction, which leads into a very, um, a very aggressive play on the word interest. Not interest, protest. Very different words. Nurse, commend <laughs> me, give my respects to the lady and mistress. I protest, I swear unto thee, and gets cut off immediately. Good heart and a faith, I will tell her as much. Lord, Lord, she will be a joyful woman. So he goes, I, the, Romeo tries to follow what she says and goes, no, 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 I would never. Nurse cuts him off midway and goes, oh, well, that's good. Even though he doesn't complete his protest. To which Romeo says, what wilt thou tell her, nurse? Thou did not mark thither. Thou did not listen to me. <laughs> so what will you mark? What will you tell her? The nurse says, I will tell her, sir, that you do protest, which, as I take it, is a gentlemanlike offer to marry. So protest means to swear an oath as well. There's a double meaning there. And when he says, I swear I protest unto thee, she takes it and runs with it and goes, oh, he swears an oath to marry her. How <laughs> excellent. And so protest throughout these this four little line segment. The word protest originally meant to speak in support of something, as I'm sure most people have recognized it, to swear that you are what um, you are about to say is true. Romeo starts to swear about something, and he's abruptly cut off, but then cut off by the nurse, she assumed that Romeo was about to swear his love for Juliet. Swearing that you loved someone was essentially an offer of marriage, and that's how the nurse interprets Romeo's protest. So, she... There's really not too much to it. Nurse is just a little bit giddy. And Yeah, she's a little too overexcited, a little too eager to tell Juliet that Romeo's gonna marry her, and in that, she doesn't fully listen to Romeo. It doesn't speak much and is wouldn't just wouldn't it be a plot twist if it was like what Mary? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> it would be really funny and you the half the play would be <laughs> like the play would just and be done at that scene. point. And scene he's like, oh then I'll tell her, tell her what that <laughs> What? <laughs> I have oh. nothing to do with her. I protest unto thee that I will never speak to her. <laughs> like I had a bit too much wassail and I was I was I don't know what I was doing, but yeah. Gosh. Gosh. Romeo replies, bid her devise some means to 
shrift this afternoon, and there she shout, Friar Lawrence shall be shrived and married. Here's for thy pains, and he offers her money. Um, bid her devise or invent some means to come to shrift or confession this afternoon, and there she shall at Friar she shall at Friar Lawrence's cell be absolved of sins and married. So again, going off of the nurses, oh, you're gonna marry her. She's like, okay, tell Juliet to find some way to make the confession tonight, and Friar Lawrence will absolve her of her sins, and we will be married. And then he attempts to pay her for her duties, her services here. Gosh, we're finally getting, we're getting to the end of it. It's a long scene, but we're, we're making it through. We're chugging away. At which we're point she away. says. No, truly, sir, not a penny. Romeo, go to, I, sh I say you shall. Um, or go on, take the money. I want to, I, I reward you, so to speak. And keep in mind, she, um, she doesn't say no a second time. She's like, oh, mine. I'll take that. The nurse this afternoon, sir? Well, she shall be there. Not much there. Uh, Romeo goes on a little bit of a, I wouldn't say speech, but a good rabble here. And stay, good nurse, behind the abbey wall. With our servant shall be with thee, and bring thee cords made like a tackled stair, a rope ladder. Which to the high top gallant top sail of my joy must be my convoy in the secret night. Farewell, be trustworthy, and I'll repay thy pains. Farewell, commend me to my mistress. Which I believe is a f another very uh, well-known quote from this play. Unless I'm maybe, perhaps I'm mistaken, I've just read it too many times. What, but commend me commend to my me, mistress. Commend me to my, to my mistress, yeah. Doesn't he say that a good bit throughout this play? He says it a couple times, yeah. Yeah. I think he says it a couple times in the scene alone. Um, <laughs> but A lot of commending going on. Not much to go on with here. Really, just giving her instructions. Uh, go. She's like, "Hey, go hide behind the alley wall. My servant. He'll be with you shortly. He'll bring you cords that are kind of like a, la a rope ladder, which, to the top sail of my joy, will be my convoy in the night. This is how I will get to Juliet at night. Uh, farewell. Be trustworthy, and I'll repay thy pain. So, don't speak of this. Be be." Be a good littleness, and I'll repay you for it. Farewell, commend me to thy mistress. Excellent. The nurse says, Now, God in heaven, bless thee. Hark you, sir. What sayest thou, my dear nurse? Is your man secret? Did you ne'er hear say that two may keep counsel, putting one away? Okay, so, is your man secret, as we've already discussed? Is your servant secret? What sayest thou, my dear nurse, is your servant secret? And the allusion here, two may keep counsel, putting one away. This proverbial phrase means that two people can keep a secret if one of them is killed. So, she, she doesn't want to die. Um, if one of them is dead. You alright? song. Is that a song? It's a song. Is it? Yeah, it's isn't it, it's the same song to what? Uh pretty Vampire Diaries, one of those shows. Oh man, I, uh, I have no idea. In my pocket, tickets taking this one to the grave, because two can't keep a secret <laughs> if one of them is dead. I think it's pretty little liars. I was not aware of this. But um, it's a, it's a it's a whole intro. On to Shakespeare. Let me, let me look this up. <laughs> a little bridge from the madness. I warrant thee, my man's as true as steel. I guarantee you, my man is as trustworthy as steel. Yeah, it's pretty little steel. liars. 
which, as we all, all of us know, is a very trustworthy metal. Very trustworthy. Nurse launches into quite the thing. Would you like to take it or shall I? I would love to take it. Thank you. Take it. <laughs> I'm going to take it by the reins. <laughs> Just... <Well. laughs> Well, sir, my mistress is the sweetest lady. Lord, Lord, when was a little prating, nope, prating thing or chattering thing. Oh, there's a nobleman in town, one pairs that would happily lay knife aboard, but she, good soul, has a leaf, has gladly see a toad, a very toad, as see him. I anger her sometimes and tell her that Paris is the proper man, but I'll warrant you when I say so. She looks as pale as any sheet in the universal or whole world. Doth not Rosemary and Romeo begin with both with a letter? So taking that back, um, would fain lay knife aboard. This phrase refers to an old When eating at a common table in a pub or inn, you place your personal knife on the table to claim your spot for the meal. But the nurse is yet again making another unintentional sexual innuendo. Wow. Paris would happily board Juliet with his knife. Would happily claim Juliet with uh, his knife, you know? <laughs> <laughs> With his blade. <laughs> it's an innuendo. You get it. Context clues, my people. Penetration, gang. <laughs> what? N never say that again. Can I we, beg you. Can we get you. a trend going? Hashtag penetration. I beg gang. you. I beg you. Never. Instagram, if ever again. you tag the podcast, hashtag penetration gang. Let's get it going. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. So she ends the her little, not speech, but her little chattering on here. Doth not Rosemary and Romeo begin with letter? Romeo, I nurse, what of that? Both with an R. Ah, mocker, a joker. That's the dog's name. R is for the, no, I know it begins with some other letter. And she hath the prettiest sen sententious of it. And you and Rosemary, that it would do you here. So, as we mentioned before, the nurse is not very educated. She is quite illiterate. Could you say? And we are. So, being illiterate, the nurse only knows the sounds of words, not their spelling. To her, the words Romeo and Rosemary don't sound like they start with an R. She associates that sound with dogs. To R meant to growl. She starts to say that R is also for the arse, but stops herself. Um, and then... We have sententious. Uh, sententious. What so a word. Here, the nurse really means that Juliet makes pretty sentences with the words Romeo and Rosemary, the fragrant plant. But instead of sentences, she says sententious, which is an adjective meaning pithy, or full of meaning. So just, again, miss saying every single word in the dictionary. <laughs> so in this scene, we have Mercutio and Romeo being a lot of wordplay really showing off their education um and then we have the nurse coming in being illiterate as she is completely misunderstanding everything everyone's saying not entirely sure what she's saying herself and shakespeare does a really uh, a really solid job at showcasing the difference between the classes here with romeo and Rikishu both being noblemen of themselves um and the nurse not being that um <laughs> so it's very obvious what he's doing here uh the juxtaposition i guess i don't know if that's exactly the right word but, uh between you know benvolio romeo and mercutio and the nurse another thing is now 
yeah, another thing in this um, scene, the nurse speaking in prose, I want to say pretty much the entire scene. Uh, so it was Peter. Um, but Romeo was speaking in verse, which is not always used to show a class difference, but Although. I think a lot, it is a lot in this play. Um, I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, we've got the last four lines of the scene here. Would you like to take it away? I'll go. Romeo, Peter, you go, nurse. Perfect. Commend me to thy lady. I a thousand times, Peter. I'm on. Or, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Not what you want to say in a playful... Oh. Hashtag um, penetration and... gang, let's get it going. <laughs> let's not! <laughs> let's not! I beg you, let's not! I want all of the comments to say hashtag penetration gang. Can they? No, I will delete every single one of them. <laughs> I will delete every single one of them. And then the nurse ending the scene before and a pace. So quickly. quickly. And they exit, and that is that incredibly complex scene. Ruby, do not. <laughs> Ruby, no. What's Ruby doing to us? We've got some penetration gang in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, which is a glorious segue into, hello, folks. I see you. I see you. My eyes are glued to you. That is, if you are watching us from YouTube, I do see you there. The light of the screen Let's illuminating all of the... Little details of your face. A beautiful face it is, might I say. If I'm not being too forward. <laughs> You're being really forward. <laughs> um, mind if we... Oh, never mind. But, <laughs> if you'd like to hear the end of that sentence I was just about to say, you should join our Discord, where we host this very podcast. You can join our other listeners in listening to the uncut versions of every show, as well as quality premium subscriber content, which will be on the way shortly. We love you, folks. Yeah. Uh, be sure Along to check with us. That, all of our social Check out the menus, Instagram. All of them. Check out the Instagram. We've gotten pretty active on there recently. Uh, TikTok. Trying to get that booming shortly. The website. Uh, just anywhere you stream your podcast. YouTube, please. We need those views. Um, That's very true. Watch it twice. Watch it on YouTube. Listen to it where you stream your podcasts. We need all of the views we can get, people. That's very true. Um, and well, especially since we're trying to hit the big bucks of Raycon and Audible, as all good people. Gosh, try to I'm do. trying. To, I'm trying to get Audible. So bad. We're trying Audible, to get Audible. Too. Us. We beg you. Please, please, God, we love please. books sometimes. And <laughs> no, we love books. Have you seen my bookshelf? It's over. Audible, please. Positively. Um, so here's the deal, folks. I'm going to need you, if you are watching us on the YouTube right now, to go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It does wonders with the algorithm. And if you're still around, like. then you enjoy us enough, or you've just left us on. So we would also like Leave you like. to comment, like, don't dislike. Click um, that notification bell so you know every time we upload videos. I feel like every YouTuber ever. Like, uh, comment, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Punch it. Beat it to a bloody pole. I want you to take a bat to that thing. Grab your trusty crowbar, wherever it may be. Take the subscriber <laughs> button behind the woodshed and beat that thing. 
But once you've done that, be sure to leave a comment because, believe it or not, that is actually what plays the algorithm the most and will recommend our content to more people. Hashtag penetration gang. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No! Go <laughs> this is not a thing! Stop trying to make this a thing! Hashtag <laughs> pen gang. Be a thing. So, go check us out on all of our social media. <laughs> and, uh, I believe that's it. Am I. <gasps> Folks? If you're trying to start a podcast, two little people with a dream, one big person, one little person. I hate you. <laughs> with a dream, you should check out Anchor. It's a totally free service which allows you to make and distribute your podcast totally free. We use it, we love it, and uh, we gain money when you listen to this ad. So sometimes the best things <laughs> in life are free. Go download, or rather, set up an account with Anchor today. We love you, folks. Start that podcast you've been thinking about for a couple now. I know you have been. Everybody has been. So uh, do it. Check out all the places, and uh, we'll see you next week with more Romeo and Juliet. Good night, bye, folks.